Hey, Schmazettes, you're listening to Listen with Patty and Emily. I'm Patty. And I'm Emily. Five, six, seven, eight. Patty and Emily, most obsessively talking about all your favorite Broadway shows. Patty and Emily, thoughts and comedy from Broadway superfans. From Broadway superfans. Emily, is 1776 your favorite new musical? <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> not at all. Nor is it mm. on any of my lists. It's not on a bad list. It's not on a good list. It's not on any mm, list. That's sure. I can definitely understand that. Um, but what about you? How much did it's you exactly love it? where it was? Because as we talked about after the show, it's very much like the movie, which I wasn't sure. Um, and I've seen the movie a billion times, so I really don't feel like. I, you know, need to to change where it stands. Uh, it's not in my top five, which is fine, but it's still, I still really, really enjoy it. Do you? It's a little harder to watch live, I would say, just oh, because really? even though I knew, well, I know, I know the scenes are so much longer and I know, like, especially for a musical, it doesn't, doesn't have very many songs. I know that, but I've only experienced it watching it as a movie. Not Wait, so the scenes, the book scenes in the movie are shorter? No, I'm saying they're just as long. Oh, oh, oh. But it's easier for whatever reason to watch that because you can get up or you can whatever. Mm. You're not, your brain isn't as beholden. And maybe seeing it again, I would understand. Like I don't didn't know where the first act ended and, and then I looked at the playbill and I was like, the first act is so much longer than the second act. <laughs> Which isn't necessarily true. It's just that most of the songs are in the first act. I don't know if that first act was so long. It was very long. It was real. Well, do you feel like, I don't know, do you feel like the anticipation you had previous to seeing the show, uh, the excitement was fulfilled? Yes. That's good. Yeah. Because I'm like, I have no interest in ever seeing 1776 ever again in any context except for maybe all female. Mm. I just Mm -hmm. was really, really just unfathomably bored. (laughs) I was so bored. And I was like tired because I'd opened. And like when you go into a show tired already and then you're immediately bored by the end of the opening Mm -hmm. number where you're like this, no, I'm so bored. Oh, my God. I just... Uh, not for me. Not for me. Oh, you were real fidgety. It was just so much. They were just talking about politics. That's all. That, well, they were yeah. just talking I mean, about politics. I thought we were going to talk about our feelings more, and that would have been more interesting to me. <laughs> sure. And I think that's what makes it such an interesting show. Not saying that everyone would like it, but that it even exists. Mm. Like, it is a musical where they do talk about politics. Right, right. <laughs> like the mechanics of it and how how things did and didn't get done, which as the audience uproariously laughed is, uh, you know, still the same bullshit today. The ending made me uncomfortable. Why? 
because I felt like even though the characters were verbalizing, history is not going to history is going to shame us for making this choice for taking out, you know, the slavery part of the constitution. Mm-hmm. Like we are going to be remembered as the bad guys. They were like saying that and verbalizing it, but I still feel like the show as a whole is anointing them and glorifying them and the work that they did. So. Well, yeah. And I think though that that's an issue that you, not an issue, but like, that's just how you're going to feel about any show. Yeah. About history, I guess, especially when it's about the, 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 factual fact i wanted it to have more of the impact problems of, but think about like the moment i like do you remember the moment in atomic when you were really feeling the weight of their choice mm-hmm. i wanted more of that in t- like tone yeah you know like tone That's more fair. more more like really taking in the weight of the choice that they are making I sure. didn't feel like they were really doing that. And like we're in Atomic, you really like you, you know, even though there was a little racist also because they didn't hire any Asian people to play those Asian characters. Asian people? They just put them in shadows and wigs and Asian accents. It was bad. But like you still had that impact of like holy mm-hmm. fucking shit, like the guilt and the idea that they made this choice that destroyed, like fucking murdered thousands and thousands of people and that's the same choice that the founding fathers were making in that moment but they do not they're like history isn't gonna like us for this well i mean obviously like it's more passionate than that but the tone of the actual show i wish was different but you know whatever it's fucking old show well that's what i was gonna say and i understand that and like i i don't feel uh about the founding of this country the way the show feels. I just, for whatever reason, enjoy the dramatic interpretation of it. And Wait, what do you what do you mean that like how do you feel about the founding of this country based on how you think the show feels about the founding of this country? I think that it well, it was written and performed right before the two hundredth anniversary. Oh. And so it's very like patriotic. And I in general am mm. not a patriotic person. Yeah. I I think I understand the no taxation without representation issues, but I also understand that we were being taxed to pay for a war that protected us. So like pay your taxes. Mm. Um well, yeah, I didn't. I mean, I I knew the general uh, timeline of the show's creation, but not that specifically. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, like that's how I because you know, at the end, the show is still like we created the greatest country in the world. And you're like, right? Uh, well, and I think what's interesting about it now is that it still is sort of demonstrating that shit is just the same. Right? Yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know that people see that because either they don't want to or they're just like, I'm watching a show. Mm. I don't know. There was a lot of tongue-in-cheek jokes, I thought, that were like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Our political yeah. system's a fucking racket. LOL. I don't know. There was a lot of jokes that the audience ate up that I was like, huh. Well, because huh. I think in the end, unlike you, the people who can like are laughing at it in that way still believe in it in the end. Mm. So like the, I don't want to say cynicism because 
that's not what I mean, but like that you or I may have about what needs to change. People think it needs to be fixed, but not necessarily changed. Mm. So they're like, ah, ha, ha, yeah, it's true. That shit still happens. Let's do something about it. Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was just uh, casting-wise, you know, Encores just basically gave us casting blue balls. Yeah. They were like, we're going to cast like Hamilton cast and they were like oh well never mind we're only gonna put a handful of black people in there JK most of the people are still gonna be white like the vast majority are still gonna be white lol Hamilton Hamilton casting applaud us for this hard work we've done no ma'am I will not (laughs) it was just like maybe it was like like because I remember talking about it and reading it when the casting came out and being like wow but it's just yeah. so, it's so fucking different when you see it and you actually have right. to look and at the number like like you look yeah. at all when the, all the guys were out and they were in there you know were debating and stuff and I was like oh no legit there's what two there's two black people in this scene mm-hmm. okay wow yeah. and wow. again they like promised us the moon if they hadn't said anything it would have looked better for that. Right. Oh, but then, of course, there was that fucking lady behind us when we were walking out yeah. of the theater who I overheard say something along the lines of, what did she say? Well, they don't even care about casting anymore. And the person she was with was like, yeah, oh my God, right? Like, it was so awkward when they were like singing that song about slavery and there was like two black people on stage. Like, basically we're saying all of that where they were like, it was really inappropriate and awkward that there were black people on stage during that song about slavery. How awkward. They shouldn't have cast them. Like, literally, literally fucking saying that shit. <sighs> so like, what the fuck? What the fuck? those people don't deserve theater that was a really awful thing to say emily (laughs) well you know they do because it confronted them with feelings they didn't want to feel and even though they complained about it afterwards they still had to deal with that that's true and i don't know if i were like if i came into this show blind if it were when i first moved here or whatever, and I didn't know anything about encores, and I wasn't following the news, I would be like, this is weird. I don't know if I would have that, like, reaction. Like, oh, they shouldn't have done that. But I certainly would be like, oh, okay. I don't, hmm, I don't know. But that was also... Well, that's also sort of like the pussyfooting, wishy-washiness of the casting that they did. Well, right. Whereas, like, if they had gone, we'll call it a full Hamilton... (laughs) <laughs> then like no matter who you are or whether or not you knew anything about the show coming into it you'd be like oh they're doing a thing yeah and this was like uh well, like you're just sort of colorblind casting but you you're not colorblind casting but you just yeah. like stuck a couple people in there and i guess other i wasn't I didn't personally notice this reaction from the audience but mm-hmm. on twitter someone said that they heard lots of people gasp because Martha, it's Martha and Abigail. Martha, yeah. Martha Jefferson. Was black. Yeah. I did not personally hear that audience reaction. Me neither. So maybe it was in the more expensive seats. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't either. 
I also just take it for granted that people know what's going on. Right. <laughs> right, is, because you know, probably a big, fair, you know, I guess. a lot of the people going to, I mean, I don't know, but, you know, Encore shows generally, it's a subscriber base a lot, and it's old people, and it's not and like... And this show is more widely known than the kinds of shows that they do, so right, people could right. have just been like, oh, they're doing 1776, I like that musical. Right. I'm saying Encore is like, if you want to make a statement, make a statement. Like, I feel like Encore's is like, you know, Encore's is like, hey, you and me, outside the school in front of the flagpole, 3 p.m. And then <laughs> you're out there at 3 p.m. and you're like, uh, where are you at, Encore's? Where are you at? And then, like, someone shows up with a note and they're like, um, Encore's is not going to be here for the fight today. <laughs> You're like, what a pussy. Well, and I think like you were mentioning, they have they have the same issue that all of these nonprofits have of their old subscriber yeah. base. And they probably were scared to go full, you know, Hamilton. Full and I Hamilton. don't know how much of it's true, and I can't remember who said it, but someone said, you know, like there's conflicts schedule conflicts like it was supposed to be more which they always say that true, go fuck yourself potentially true but also a really easy excuse to make oh yeah that's just that is also like oh i'm sorry because there's never been re- like last minute replacements in types of shows and there there was only white people to replace the black people that dropped out only white people were available to replace the black people that dropped out sure Especially when you've put out a specific casting call asking. Right. Like, that just literally, that just makes no fucking sense to be like, oh, well, like, we had a bunch of black people cast, but then at the last minute they dropped out and our only option was to replace them with white people because white people. There was no more black people. I guess one of the upsetting things is that if it were true on some level, it is because there are a lot of black shows on Broadway right now, but does that mean we only have black actors who can be in the number of shows Mm. on Broadway right Mm. now of names anyway because maybe they wanted some you know not big names because Encore doesn't do that necessarily but you know like working actors right I don't know well it also shows you the like you know it's all about who you know and especially when it comes to last minute casting Mm -hmm. when you're doing a last minute replacement you have to go with someone who you you already know and you already know is reliable and you already know can pick up a show in a couple of days. So like, yeah, yeah, then it goes to the people who the casting agents or whoever like know personally have worked with and know they can get the job done because especially in that situation, they want to take your chances and that's just systematic inequality in a nutshell. Well, yeah, absolutely. Cast a wider net. Yeah. Cast the widest net you have. Yeah, just like a well, deep sea fisher. Yeah. Is that how they fish? Deep sea fishing? Um, yeah, that's like trawling. They have those giant nets that they like put at the bottom of the sea. Right. Like that episode <laughs> of The Simpsons. I don't remember that episode. Oh my God, there's an episode where Mr. Burns like starts, like he uses this thing that Lisa came up with or something and... Then he like just there's like a big net and he starts just real oh. like it's being cranked in from the ocean. It's pulling in like whales and like <laughs> that seems vaguely familiar. 
I used to know so much Simpsons. <laughs> knocking around. It's all still knocking around in there. Mm. Well, any last thoughts on 1776? I love Santino Fontana. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, all the cast for the most part was great. Again, I'm, I'm sure a more diverse cast would have been just as great or better. Mm-hmm. Andre de Shields was delightful. Which one was he? He was the drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one that kept asking for rum. Yeah, he was really funny. Yeah, like, what was that one moment when they thought he was voting and he was like, I just want a drink. (laughs) Can someone get me a drink right now? Thank you. Alcoholism's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, Christiane Knoll did some very pretty singing. Oh, can we talk about the costumes? Okay. What the fuck? (laughs) I think it was budget and a non-concept concept. I think the idea was to sort of play on the thought process that like things are still the same and we have the same issues where everybody just fights with each other and things don't get done mm. just like today. And that was like it. <laughs> That's my Weak. guess. I mean... I get it because of budgetary issues and it's like for a fucking week and they're always sort of vague costumes anyway mm. if they need something elaborate. Like I can't remember what Music in the Air did. Music in the Air. Well, that was such a long time Cheno ago. Cheno had, no, I mean, I don't remember how good the costumes were but I do know that Cheno was wigged in brown because I like didn't even recognize her when she came on stage. Oh, well, um, and you had, you went a, couple, a few times, and once you were in the orchestra, so you were pretty close? Yeah, I saw it three times, yeah. twice from the balcony, <laughs> once from the orchestra, in one weekend. And two of those, those performances, I was, like, running a fever, and I was like, oh. I won't miss this, Kristen Chenoweth, I love you. In this nonsense musical. Mm-hmm. She appreciates you. Oh, she did sign my poster. And she squeezed mm. my arm when she did it because I was like, Kristen, was I've had night. this poster since I was 16 and it's the first thing that I put up in my room every time I move. And she squeezed my arm Aww. and said, thank you. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. It was a great moment. <laughs> it was totally worth it going out with a fever and feeling like shit. <laughs> well, that's good. I was so sick. Uh, I don't know. I don't really have any more thoughts. I guess yeah. I didn't expect it to to like change my view on 1776 because I already sort of have a love and it's a like a nostalgic love too because some group I don't know who they were and when I was in junior high came and did the opening Hmm. of it and like I just remember everybody was like singing sit down John for like the rest of the day (laughs) and it was sort of a moment to me where I was like oh all these like dumb kids who don't give a shit about anything are like singing this song about history Mm. Dumb, I don't mean stupid. I just mean like they're dummies. <laughs> they're not <laughs> serious, hardcore history nerds like you. I mean, I don't even know that I was at the time, but I was very, uh, you know, school oriented. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I thought I have like a very, and one of my high school or one of my junior high friends commented, like, sit down, John, on my Instagram about it <laughs> because, like, that's it was still such a, memory a thing. And I'm assuming most, yeah. That's funny. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's a partly a Joseph thing. It's obviously a better show than Joseph as far as just <laughs> just quality. <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah, it's exactly where it was. 
And that's fine. I love you, 1776. Cool. I'll record you the next time you're on TV on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And next we come to <laughs> um, the Hamilton casting notice debacle oh, of 2016. Oh this was just an unnecessary mess that did not need to happen. Yeah, pretty much. Especially because, I mean, just like anything like this, it brings to light real issues that people have that they don't want you to know that they have. Mm. So that's important. But it really was just like a nonsensical semantics thing. Yeah. Let's just that fucking white people. Well, yeah. It's just white people being like, ah, you guys, we're being discriminated against. What do we do? And they're like, you don't know what that word means. They're like, yes, they do. They're being mean to me. They're not letting me audition for Hamilton. It's not fair. And you're like, please just shut the fuck up. That's like, it's just so fucking stupid. It's just so, it's so fucking stupid that like literally, literally what they're saying is they're like, you know, all of the other, like all of the normal auditions don't say that they're being cast like white people and like everybody is welcome to audition and then you can make whatever decisions of casting later, but like everyone has to be able to audition. So it's literally like, you know, you know how we do our casting where like we let all the other non-white people audition, but then only the white people get cast. Guys, you can do that too. You can, but you have to let us white people audition because you have to like, pretend that you're doing it just like we do it's just like it's like an example of like i feel like so many things in our society right now are like being revealed to like white people that white people have had this idea that like hey things are super different and like not racist as bad as they were a long time ago and everyone that's not white is like hey that's not true and it's just like i don't know White people getting woke. Yeah. Well, and I think that's actually, at least as far as I know, not how this started. <laughs> a white person. It was a civil rights attorney because the whole, the whole issue was that the casting notice asked, asked for non-white actors. And the way that the law may or may not be written is that you have, you can't ask for, you can't say like people of a certain race can't audition like you were saying, Hmm. which was essentially to protect not white people in the beginning. Um, And that's why there was all this, again, it's just semantics. There was all of this talk about bright star casting, which is obviously an issue but that said that all the roles were Caucasian, hmm. not that they were only seeing Caucasian actors. Hmm. And it, but in the end, it really highlights a confusion in the industry of like, yes, we'll see everybody, but everybody can show up at that audition and you can get typed out. Right. And then you're in essence saying, I won't see you. Mm-hmm. Like you're like for Bright Star a black actor could have shown up to that audition and they would wait around all day for their open call or whatever. And then they'd be typed out immediately. Right. So that was all. And that's always been a thing that I never really understood how that was possibly legal, even though I understand 
on a basic level. Now, something else that was, it's, it's all just, this is why, this is why I'm so frustrated by this because aside from the fact that it does highlight these issues that people need to be confronted with, that's the part I think that is important. Like this could, this attorney could have just like gone to the Hamilton people if this was really the nexus of it, if this is what started it, and just been like, hey, you guys, you might want to change the wording on that. Well, sure, of course. But this <laughs> not like, that's not what it wasn't actually <laughs> that's why I'm like, it's not I don't care if it was like a civil rights attorney. Well, sure. If you really had genuine concern and weren't looking for any sort of publicity, yeah, that's probably well, yeah. more something you would have done as opposed to being like, let's get the New York Times on this. Everyone yeah, should well, know about this racist casting from Hamilton. Well, and then equity made it worse and they had to, because they just didn't, I don't. There was like I just no communication between anyone yeah. at equity and whoever was like running the Twitter was like, I'll respond. <laughs> and then you're like, uh, interns, no, no. Or whoever, I don't know who runs the yeah. Twitter, but like, yeah, someone from the Twitter responded. and I, want, I hope that person didn't lose their job, but maybe got reprimanded. Well, yeah. This one thing that I found interesting in this Playbill article that says that one of the producer's responses was that even at, even though they were asking for non-white actors, not necessarily saying that the characters were non-white, it said that this adheres to the accepted practice that certain characteristics in certain roles constitute a, quote, bona fide occupational qualification that is legal. So... Uh. Like, basically, and I don't know the law. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so one person saying you can't say that non-white actors because that's not legal. But the producers are saying, well, like, if I say I have a job and you need to have a driver's license to perform this job, I'm not discriminating against people who don't have driver's licenses. Mm. So this would constitute a bona fide occupational qualification. Uh, like to perform this role, you you have to be non-white. Yeah. Right. Right. So, but the thing that just... is also like the thing that I keep on coming back to that I'm like, this is all just whatever, is that like there was like at least one white person in the original cast. Oh, sure. I think two oh, maybe. Yeah, there, there's Betsy Struckness and Thane Jasperson. Right. Yeah. And he played the farmer and she – did you know and there might be more but like it's not i think the principles are all you know obviously played by non-white actors right and so i don't know everybody just it's also it's just a reality of being in the business that you work in mm. like you you logically know that some roles are not for you no matter how much you want to play them right maybe it's because you're too short maybe it's because you don't have a literal skill set that that role needs. Right. Well, it's just like, I always just feel like it's this thing where white people have access to 99% of everything. And they're like, this is not fair. There's 1% of stuff that we don't have access to. And like black people are like, we have access to like, 30% of stuff and we would like 5% more access and white people are like, why are you trying to hurt us? I read, I read an interesting article that was sort of dealing with that. That was about how, um, achieving equality can feel like you're being oppressed against if you've never 
right. had that oppression. Definitely. Well, yeah, it's like that. It's like that girl in Texas who didn't get into the college that she wanted to and sued because it was discrimination because she was like, I'm white and I would have gotten into this school if you guys weren't using affirmative action to get in unqualified black people. Because she was like, it's like I wanted to go to this college and I didn't get in and it's not fair because I thought I was going to get in because I thought I was entitled to that. And it's like no, you just didn't get in. No, but also the really funny thing about her case is that like her her she was not a good student. She was not a right? fucking good student. No, <laughs> like she was a fine student, but she was like yeah. like when you looked at her scores and like the averages of the scores of the people that actually got into the school, you're like, bitch, girl, you girl, you didn't work hard enough in high school for this school. Yeah, <sighs> just uh. I know. But again, like, even though this whole thing could have been avoided, it is sort of necessary to shed light on those people who are having issues with this Mm. and be like, guys, that's not the, this isn't actually a problem for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're fine. You're fine. Okay. Well, moving on to... Happier things. Beth Lovell got a job. Yes, Beth Lovell. You better work. Work, 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 work. Remember what Beth Lovell Oh. Is that like our new Beth Lovell got a job theme song? Yeah, it's a mashup of Rihanna's work and RuPaul. Mm. You better work. Right. Yeah, I got that. I guess I haven't heard that Rihanna song. Really? Oh my God, it's really good. Oh, is it the new one? Yeah, work. Oh. So no work. It's really good. Sounds terrible. Well, I'm singing <laughs> it. Um, I'm also basing it now. I guess I'm realizing that that was the song that there was like Ariana Grande did a bit on on SNL when she hosted SNL mm-hmm. where she like did a bunch of impressions mm-hmm. and one of them was Rihanna and I guess it was that song. And uh, I was like, this sounds terrible. <laughs> That's funny. But I'll listen to the actual song. That's also funny because my I was watching that episode like in the kitchen and then I, you know, my mom is incapable of not getting sucked into any sort of like TV that's on if she's in that room. So she like got sucked into this episode of SNL and then I was like, okay, I'm I'm leaving the room now. Like I'm going to go somewhere else. Do you want me to turn this off? No, I was like, do you want me to turn it off or leave it? And she was like, leave it on. I'll just, well, I'm going to watch a little bit more. And then like later when I came back up, she watched the whole episode and she was like, that that Ariana Grande girl, her voice. They did this segment. She was doing all these impressions. Her voice is. I mean, she's a. Me- oh my! My mom. My mom loves Ariana Grande now. She's so impressed with her talent. That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, she's pretty good. Yeah, my mom was like, she's so incredible, and I was like, I know, right? Her voice is amazing. My mom was like, I mean, yeah. Oh wow. She was on Broadway, y'all. Yeah, it was funny. I told my mom that. I was like, she was in this this musical when about uh, Jewish people. <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, it's Jason Robert Brown musical, so that doesn't mean it's about Jewish people, but I certainly understand that it would be about but Jewish people. But isn't it the whole thing is about a kid's bar mitzvah? 
I mean, that would make complete sense because it's called 13, but I literally know nothing about oh. it except that Jason I'm, Robert I'm, Brown wrote it and uh, it's kids. I'm pretty sure that the plot is like, Ben's bar mitzvah's coming up and he's got middle school angst of some kind oh. that he needs to deal with through song. I'm pretty sure. That sounds perfect. <laughs> Damn, I wish I had seen it. Well, back to Beth Level. She's going to be in this this really crazy sounding musical. Uh-huh. It's called The Prom. Um, the first half, I'm going to read the description to you. The first half sounds great. The second half, it says, In the prom, Emma becomes an instant outcast and a national headline when her high school cancels her prom rather than let her attend with her girlfriend. Okay, that sounds like an interesting topic for a show. Mm. Sensing a chance to correct an injustice and maybe get some good publicity along the way, a group of fading celebrities takes up the cause and invades Emma's small Indiana town. Yeah, that's either the best idea we've ever heard or the worst idea we've ever heard, depending on who's writing it. Well, it does have a good creative team. It has a book by Bob Martin and Chad Beglin and music by Matthew Sklar and lyrics by Chad Beglin. So it's the whole creative team from Elf. Mm, I liked Elf. Um, It sounds like nonsense. (laughs) I'm very curious. Also very curious about, um, you know, adding more mm-hmm. lesbian musicals to the oh, sure. annals Absolutely. of that's musical why, theater. Well, yeah. I mean, that's why you're like the first half. Okay, I'm totally on board. The second half sounds like who knows. <laughs> Took a turn there. And I don't know if Beth Lovell is one of the fading celebrities or if she's somebody in the town. I hope she plays who the knows? school principal. Oh, that sounds I hope she plays the school principal that was like, (laughs) we're canceling the prom. Yeah, then she'll be a bad guy. Oh, my God. But won't that be so much fun? Don't you want to see Beth Lovell play the villain? I do. Don't you remember how great she was in? No, wait. That was Harriet Harris that did the really offensive speech in uh, eight eight gay marriage plays. Uh, It should have been you. No, 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 no. Wait, what? The, the oh, gay eight, plays. The gay marriage play. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. Right? Wasn't well, it Harriet Harris that had that amazing, like, 10 minute monologue about, like, yes. you sinning faggots or something? Yes. Beth Level. Okay. Beth Level, I think, did a sweet one in that. Right, right. About her son. About I would son. love <laughs> to see Beth Level play, like, uptight, homophobic principal that's like. Because also, I'm sorry, but that she's a closeted lesbian. If the principal is canceling the prom. No, that would be a good, yeah, that would be a good twist. Come on. The people that rally so hard against those things are 99% of the time, in my opinion, closeted homophobes. But I also, I mean, closeted homosexuals. I also think that everyone's gay. (laughs) Yeah. You and Kinsey. Yep. Other people in the show, Brooks Ashmanskis. Brooks Ashmanskis? Yeah. I still and can't Christopher say his name. Sieber. Oh. Yeah. Look at that and team. And some other people I don't know. I hope it's good. Yeah. It's going to be in Atlanta, so hmm. it's pre-Broadway, as they all are. Yeah, aren't they? Casey Nic- Nicholas directing it. Oh. He has like a million shows. I think he has four shows on Broadway. Shit. Or maybe not quite yet, but when something will open. Let me fact check that. Because he he has Book of Mormon, 
and something rotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and also Aladdin and Tuck Everlasting. God damn. God damn. Yeah. It's crazy. <coughs> well, best level, Godspeed. May she be on Broadway soon. It's starting to be award season, Emily's favorite season of the year. Oh, goody. How <laughs> fun. Now we get to you judge our art in ways that art should not be judged. Yeah, but then we get to do it personally and give out our own Um, Not that we need to go through all of this, but the Loretel Awards were announced. And I just wanted to highlight the fact that Leslie Kritzer is nominated for two two Loretel Awards. In the one season. Wait, is she in different categories or is she competing against no. herself? No, she's in the best category. Featured actress in a musical competing against herself. That is fucking wonderful. Oh, that's wonderful. That's just so much wonderful. That's hilarious. She was nominated for Gigantic, which we had, you know, it was a fun show, but we had mixed feelings about. Mm. And of course she was great. Mm. And Robert Bridegroom, which we haven't seen yet. Because they didn't give us tickets, and we have to try and see if they're still hip ticks. Oh, God. We should do that right after we finish recording. I know. Also, she's going up against someone from Iowa, huh? Annie Who? McNamara. And I'm looking at this picture, and I can't figure out who she was in the show. Oh, she must have been like the mom. That's what I thought, but maybe she was, that's a different she Iowa. Was like I mean, a different Annie McNamara. Crazy it's pretty, and great. Let me see. Oh, no, I think she was the cheerleader friend. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, I'm looking at this picture. That's who I think she was. I would have nominated the mom. Her monologues were crazy. That's true. I mean, the whole thing was crazy. That's true. We didn't see the two other people who were nominated. But congratulations, Leslie Kritzer. Yeah, girl. Guys, Leslie Kritzer is the best. She's fantastic. We also got falsettos casting some of it. Wait, so which I don't know how many were announced. It was just Kristen Burrell and Stephanie J. Block. And Andrew Rannells. Oh, and Andrew Rannells. Cool. Um, I still don't really know anything about this show, and I guess I'll remain It's about AIDS. Blind. I know we've talked well, yeah. Bill Finn. Carolee Carmelo played a lesbian. <laughs> And there is a baseball number. Oh, yes. I know that there's a baseball number. Uh, Stephanie J. Block is not playing a lesbian, I don't think. No, because she's playing, I forget. She's, she's the ex, Trina. ex-wife. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Carolee played the lesbian next door. Oh, okay. Um, I, I mean, like, I'm super role. excited because, like, I have a falsetto sweatshirt and I, it would be cool if I saw the show and I could wear that sweatshirt more earnestly. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just being such a fucking poser right now. That's fair. You are such a poser. God, Emily. <laughs> uh, I just know that people have such strong reactions to it. And whenever that happens with a revival, it makes me nervous because I don't want to not like it. Mm. Why? Who has? I'm not familiar with these. Like the internet. I don't know. I just feel like everyone's so excited about this uh, show, and not that I'm not, but I'm excited to see it. I don't have right, like, but already attached emotions. Sure, to it. sure, of course. 
I mean, I don't know. It's a Bill Finn musical. I, Bill I mean, Finn. think about how much yeah. you love a new brain and how you would react. <sighs> you know, you're like, oh my and god, I'm spelling so bee. I mean, I love Bill Finn, so yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's just like an emotional show, and it's like '90s, yeah. and it's like AIDS '90s, and like, it's AIDS. like '90s gays, you know, like Will and Grace. Yeah, yeah. Your favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, there's like a kid in it too, so I don't know who the kid will be. Mm. Maybe it will be Latrell. Oh, maybe. I forgot their first name. Bailey. Bailey. Do, is there do have anything else about falsettos? I don't know any more about it. Um, James Lapine's going to direct it. Oh, that. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Does it have a theater? Yeah, the Kerr. Oh. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm. I'm. Don't tease me. I hope it was real. I think it's real this time because, like we said, the last time there were casting issues and I think maybe money issues and. This one, Lincoln Center is producing with Ju Jameson, so uh, I think we're good. That's good. Well, we've had we had some really good fan interactions this week. <laughs> one of which is that Menzel Hamilton on Twitter, who we've discussed before, pointed out to us. I don't know if it's the only dog that's seeing all the Broadway shows, but definitely one of the dogs that's seeing all the Broadway shows. Twitter accounts: Tinkerbell, a dog. Was that Finding Neverland? And posted a photo. Posted a photo. That is bold. Bold. How'd you get that dog in the theater? I really, I don't, I think. The dog uh, must be in cahoots with the theater. I think I would be like, is your dog going to behave itself? Not that you can, you know, guarantee that, but I feel like I wouldn't. If I, if I was seated next to a dog, dog to oh, if I was seated next to a dog, I would go to the usher. Well, yeah. I would go to the usher uh, and I'd be like, the person next to me has a dog. Yeah. Can't have a fucking dog in the theater. No. Maybe I would even pretend like I was allergic. <laughs> Get this dog away from me. I'm I mean, I don't dogs. think I don't think you need any reasoning. I think you just have to be like, there's a dog sitting next to me, and the the ushers should kick the dog out. And yeah, uh, they definitely should because you can't have a fucking dog in the theater. I can't bring my dog into the theater. No, you can't. She's not a support dog. Just because they're a tiny dog doesn't mean that they can just go to the theater. No, they can interrupt the ballet mm. in The King and I. They are of collars that are jingly. Mm-hmm. They yawn and make noises. They are not I meant to be in the theater. Too, but, but they're dogs. Mm. You guys, this is this is more important than diversity casting. <laughs> No, it's not. More dogs in shows. Although that's, I can get behind that. I mean, put Um, the dogs on the stage, not in the seats. Yeah. yeah. More dogs on the stage, less dogs in the seats. That's a good, put the dogs on the stage, not in the seat. The dogs belong in on stage, not in the audience. (laughs) That also sounds really like. Get some sort of. Discriminatory. 
<laughs> a woman's place is in the kitchen, not in the office. <laughs> a dog's place is on the stage. You're a working dog. You're not a free dog that can afford entertainment. Get back to work on that stage performing, Sandy. Yeah, those dogs are trained. <laughs> Bill Berloni trained those dogs. <laughs> they know when to bark and when not yeah. to bark. Yeah. They're not going to ruin your I want to know what Bill Berloni thinks about all the dogs mm. in the theater. Oh, my God. We should we should get a comment from him. Well, thanks for giving us the heads up. And again... Uh, Keep an eye out for more dogs. There are eyes and ears. You got to let us know if you see a dog. You got to tweet us if you see a dog. Is this a around the country? I don't know. Yeah. Is it happening in other cities? Is there a dog academic sweeping the nation? I don't dog know. in we theater. Also, epidemic we also were asking uh people to tell us where they were listening from and we got a bunch of responses cool we have listeners in colorado and enjoy the weed out there (laughs) y'all orlando north carolina orlando i love Mm -hmm. you orlando Roanoke, Virginia, cool. New Zealand. Roanoke. That's where that crazy that crazy living history museum that got a Tony Award that shouldn't because it's non-equity. Oh. Isn't it? Or is Roanoke the lost colony? No, that's yeah, what it Roanoke's- is. Roanoke's like the people that just disappeared. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what you're talking about, though. I want to find out about that. Oh, we've I talked about that before. Well, we've talked Shoot. about that before. Okay. Anyway, Roanoke. Cool. Yeah. Also, New Zealand, Louise. What? Talks to us all the time. So I was aware that she's from New Zealand. Cool. El Paso, Texas, Sacramento, Louisville, Georgia. Wow. Pennsylvania. This is so... Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, my God. Kentucky. Charleston, West Virginia. Baltimore. Tampa. Tampa. Wow. Just all over the place. Thanks for listening, everybody. Whoa, that's so cool. So exciting. He didn't respond, but I know we have a listener in Germany. That's true. I should say something in German right now. You say... uh, how do you say thank you in German? Danke. That should be some. That's. I was like, I know it's in my brain somewhere. Danke. <laughs> Bis bald. Uh, What's that? I forget. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other things I learned. Eklibidi Rocky. Mm-hmm. Well, Emily, I also got a secret email for you. Oh. Secret email. It's from a listener and Twitter follower, Jackamania. Jackamania. And he wanted me to tell you the story on air. (laughs) So please confirm that you have not heard this story, correct? I have not heard this. Okay. I do not check the email regularly. (laughs) It's about scandalous. (gasps) Scandalous! Scandalous! Oh, my God, a story about Scandalous about Carolee Carmelo. (laughs) 
Here's his story. So when I saw Scandalous, I broke my arm and was in a cast. (gasps) I was with my mom, and she usually doesn't like to stage door, but she had the idea of having my cast signed. At the end of the show, I asked the sound guy in the back to borrow a Sharpie, which I never gave back. Oops. (laughs) Most of the audience had left the theater, but Kathy Lee was still there. (gasps) I walked over and asked her to sign my cast. She wrote, God bless you, Kathy Lee Gifford. Amazing. Then we waited at the stage door. The next person to sign my cast was George Hearn. He just signed his name. When Carolee came out, I asked her to sign, and of course, she was the nicest human ever. Yes. And was more than happy to sign. I didn't get a good look of what she wrote until later. She wrote, Jack, I wish I could heal you for real. Love, Carolee. Oh, Carmel. my God. She's an angel. <gasps> that is so amazing. What a great... The thing is, Jack, uh, she could have healed you for real. She just can't reveal her gifts to the world. Right, right. Oh, my God. What a great, fearless story. She's so cool. Oh, my God. Great Carrie story. Great Kathy story. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love that that's what she wrote. That's so fucking adorable. Oh, I miss Scandalous. I enjoyed seeing that show. It's still, I mean, I really enjoy listening to it. Mm. I haven't listened to it in a while. I guess I could listen to that cast recording. It pops up every now and then in my ears. I have not been listening to a lot of musical theater lately. I've pretty much only been listening to, I've been listening to a lot of disco and a lot of rap. Oh. I am finishing, fixing up my iTunes because mm. I had to like re-put everything in there. So. Mm. You know what I've been really, really, really enjoying that I would like to recommend to everyone? Patty, are you familiar with the entire discography of The Weather Girls? Not the entire one. I would say probably just It's Raining Men and some songs that I know that I don't know are theirs. You definitely need to get at at least get success. Okay. Because literally... Oh, my God. I wish I could play this for you right now, but I can't. Fuckers. Actually, wait. I No, I can't. Here are the songs. Here are the songs on this out on success. Okay. The song success, where they sing about how fucking awesome and successful they are. Of course. Hungry for love, where they sing about both food and love and men. Dear Santa, which is literally just a Christmas version of It's Raining Men. Oh, amazing. I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair. What? Which is a disco version of the classic from South Pacific. Oh, my God. And then there's like It's Raining Men and this other song, Hope, which is fantastic. And like, holy shit, it's all disco and it's amazing. And each song is like six minutes long. Um, yeah, so I gotta well, recommend sure, I gotta recommend that to everybody. Right. It's fucking fantastic. Great. I'm obsessed. Great. Jackamania, thank you for sharing that a wonderful story about Carolee Carmelo and Scandalous. I deeply appreciate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and ask right now if you guys also have other like fun encounter stories, send them our way. Oh yeah. I love hearing this stuff. Carolee, 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 update. First and foremost, um, wait, no. Oh, God, I can't, rem- I can't figure out which is my top story in this section right now. 
What's my top story? What's the most important one? Uh, I th- I don't know what you're going for, but I think that Tuck started performances. Well, Carly well, well, well there's so many things. Yeah, back I mean, on Broadway. I, I was trying to decide what's most important. Carly Carmelo's wig. Some, I mean, like the pictures of the wig. This hilarious post she did about um, how she was on Frasier that one time. This adorable picture of her and her agent after the first preview. <laughs> Her adorable dressing room. Dressing room looks so nice. Yeah. Oh, that wig. Guys, if you go to Carolee's Instagram, you can see her wig. And I have to say, like, I don't even actually, I would have to look at a picture to remember what her wig looked like in Atlanta. But the fact that I don't remember what her wig looked like in Atlanta says everything that you need to know about what her wig looked like in Atlanta. Because this wig that she has on the Broadway is beautiful and unforgivable. I mean, unforgettable. (laughs) Unforgivable. It's so beautiful. I won't forgive it. Oh my god, I can't wait to see Doug Everlasting again. I'm really curious about the changes. Yeah, I'm very excited to see it. Now it's time for the Audra McDonald Tweet of the Week. On March 28th at 6.18 p.m., Audra McDonald tweeted, Just realized as I was picking up dinner that I had just... No, wait, let me start that over again. The parentheses confused me. Just realized as I was picking up dinner that I had two breakfasts today. Hashtag living my best life. Audra McDonald, you eat as many breakfasts as you need to fuel your body for all of the work you're doing in your new show. Yes. I, yes. I want to see Shuffle Along so badly. Well, we got to figure out when we're going to go see it. Yeah, really. We're all really. Maybe next in, weekend? Like, the next two weeks. I like that that's why she's living her best life. Yeah. It's funny. Not because she has a fulfilling career. <laughs> I mean, it's all of those was things. was a Broadway like, star and has six Tony Awards. No, it's yeah. because she had two breakfasts. Two Everyone, breakfasts. you can live your best life. Just eat yeah, two breakfasts. Yeah, just like Audra McDonald. <laughs> That's like the worst advice ever. <laughs> it depends on how much you're eating. If you have like a quick metabolism like wake up yeah actually having two breakfasts is good right when you get up have a handful of raw almonds and then later you know have a smoothie or something yeah or some eggs see let's live our lives the way audra lives hers i mean i guess a lot of the time i wouldn't say i eat two breakfasts i would say i have breakfast and then i have a mid-morning snack and then i have lunch Mm -hmm. yeah it's cool audra we're the same (laughs) <laughs> we're all the same <laughs> we're just like you stars they're just like us yeah they are oh god we're just gonna keep talking about how we need to see this show until we see it yep pretty much that's our show until next week you can follow us on twitter at at patty the letter n emily patty n emily you can follow us individually at patty with y and at emily Fay oakley and find us anywhere else on the internet by searching patty and emily be sure to subscribe to us on itunes rate us and leave us a comment and we'll read it on the show send us your topic suggestions questions dreamcasts etc and in the meantime go, go see, see live theater, theater.